Welcome to From Armor to Ease, an Enneagram podcast exploring how we return to our freest selves beneath the armor we carry. I'm your host, Chichi Agoram, writer, Enneagram teacher and practitioner, author of the book, The Enneagram for Black Liberation, which is available for purchase everywhere, and a lifelong learner of what it means to be fully human. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back to the show. This week, we're talking about friendship as a container for intimacy. And I had this really grand idea of having little snippets of conversations with different groups of friends that I have about friendship and what it means to them and how the context of the culture and the place that they grew up in affected their understanding of the purpose of friendship. And it's a great idea, but um, it was a lot of work (laughs) and I'm tired. So I invited one friend to talk with me today about friendship and intimacy, and that is Hollis. Hollis Heath is an award-winning theater artist, writer, and girls' empowerment leader. She's co-founder of Harlem KW Project, a theater company that produced the Adele Co. award-winning play, Renaissance in the Belly of a Killer Whale. Hollis earned her master's in educational theater and has spent the last decade creating programming, content, and curriculum to empower young women to identify purpose, own their unique voice, and connect them with brands and organizations to increase their social capital. Brands she has produced events for with young women include Coach, Verizon, Refinery29, Benefit Cosmetics, American Express, JetBlue, Universal Records, Salesforce, and many others. Her work as an empowerment leader has led to invitations to speak at the White House and work as a self-esteem ambassador with Dove. She currently serves as an associate producer for Voices, a new interdisciplinary performance arts project and campaign grounded in Black women's stories to unify the vision of ending violence against women, cis women, trans women, and non-binary people across the world. I love Hollis. I'm glad that she said yes to this conversation. Let's get into it. Hi, Hollis. Welcome to the show. Thank you for saying yes. Thanks for having me, friend. I appreciate I just have to show you, I pulled a card right as I was prepping. I was setting up the space for our conversation. And I saw like my little deck of plenty from Chani, the astrologer. And I was like, oh, I should pull a card. I need some like affirmation or something today. And the card I pulled says, good friendships are charms, protective omens I surround myself with. And we're about to have a conversation about friendship. That's crazy. Look at that. That's so I amazing. Feel, I feel affirmed. I feel like this is meant to be. Me too. Me too. Me too. So before we jump in, I always start by asking people, um, what identities do you hold that are most important for us to know? Um, I am a Black woman from New York City, born and raised. And... Um, and I'm an artist and a friend and a daughter and a sister um, and an educator. But yeah, that's who I am. I love that the people, I had somebody else on the show from New York, and it just seems like New York is an important part of the identity. It's not just, it's like oh. it's its own thing. Oh, it totally is. It totally is. And I, I didn't realize that. Um, until 
I think my early 20s when I started making friends, because I also went to college in New York, um, when I started making friends who were not from New York, I was like, oh, yeah, this is different. I'm set up differently. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I also, by the way, for the listeners, Hollis and I are friends. Yesterday actually was Juneteenth and it was the one year anniversary of Hollis connecting me to some really dope people in LA. I texted oh. them yesterday and I was like, happy one year friend anniversary. And you, I feel like you orchestrated, even though you weren't here, you orchestrated a lot of my LA friendships. Um, but we met, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago. I feel like two years ago we met, um, we met in like October twenty. 20- one one yeah 20 like october 2021 so i guess this october would be two years yeah 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 and one of my favorite things about um you as a human and as a friend is that you are like um like a very delightful delectable feast like a buffet there's like a little bit of everything present, you know, it's like, there's like the, the depth and like the intrigue, there's the laughter and the joy, there's a the playfulness, there's that, there's, it's just like all of us, like a little taste of everything in a, in Hollis, which I love. Chi Chi, that is like really one of the sweetest compliments I've ever received. Thank you. I mean it. I, I, mean re- it. I, I believe you and thank you. Thank you a lot. I really appreciate that. That's that was yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. <laughs> <laughs> She's a feast, y'all. Um, so on this episode, I mean, on this season, we're talking about intimacy, and in this episode in particular, we'll be talking about friendship as a container for intimacy. But I'm curious mm-hmm. for you, what does the word intimacy mean? What comes up for you with that word? Mm, um, I mean, for sure, close, private, like vulnerable, um, the things that, yeah, I think honestly, the first thing that comes up is vulnerability. Like there is a level of like nakedness that comes with intimacy. And I think especially in friendship, um, where you're like bearing your all, you know, all, all that you got all the lumps, rumps and whatever, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's seeing, it's experiencing someone without the veil that, that we walk around with. Experiencing someone without the veil. Mm -hmm. I like that. So you said that private is one of the (laughs) words. So is that part of kind of like your, your, I guess for a moment or an experience or a relationship to be intimate, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the experience of that you know has to be private. You know, it's so funny to be honest. No, for me, no. Um, because I am pretty, at least when we're talking about friendship, I'm pretty open. So I feel like if you are in my life and I call you a friend, there's very little that I'm going to withhold about what I'm experiencing, about my story. Um, 
But I imagine, I don't even imagine, I know that there are other people who hold parts of their lives dear and there are only certain people that get access. And I could probably work on that and use some of that. But I just feel like if you're here, you're here. This is what it is. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so, yeah, then you get to, then you get to see it all. I think maybe, um, I think maybe where intimacy and where that like privacy falls and privacy is really not the right word. Um, but maybe where that boundary is set a little bit for me, um, is I, I'm, I'm careful about, though I may share with people my experience, I'm careful about who I let speak into my experience. So just because I've shared doesn't mean that I'm looking for you to weigh in on my experience. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you already know this, but I'm the the other people that you were talking about. Where I'm like, I'm <laughs> yeah, I I wasn't gonna do that. I wasn't gonna do that. I wasn't Listen, gonna. That's why I said no, no, no. It's not. I like not some people. people. <laughs> it's me. I literally, as I was talking about, I was like, yeah, totally not Chi-Chi. I remember being like, <laughs> okay, are we okay? Oh, you're sharing. Okay, cool, 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 cool. cool. You know, it just takes it takes a minute. It takes, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it, but okay. I I appreciate that. Um, I I still particularly love the seeing who a person is behind the veil as part of part of intimacy, and as you know, this podcast also explores the enneagram. Don't worry, we're not going to get into you know, specifics of your type and all of that. Sure, sure, but sure. The one of the things that I ask people, because, you know, like the our types are these stories that we hold about who we have to be, to be okay, to be loved, mm-hmm. to be safe, all of those things. And I, it makes me curious about the different stories that each of us bring to the table subconsciously and consciously mm-hmm. about who we have to be. And I'm curious for you, who do you, who do you believe you have to be to be loved and to have mm. access to intimacy? Oh my God. Okay. You said you like to share, huh? And just went straight for there. You know? Got it. Hmm. Say the question one more time. Who do I, who do you believe you have to be to receive love? Oh, come on, Chi Chi. Um, you know, I think that's evolving. Um, I think that for a long time, as someone who tends to not have a lot of tolerance for, um, for pity, for like sadness, (laughs) for long periods of time, um, for heaviness. Like I can do it up for so long. Other people's anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that perhaps, you know, um, I've held a story of like, you've got to be upbeat. You've got to be, you know, joyous and okay. And, but I found that particularly in the last maybe two or three years, um, 
you know, I've experienced being loved really well when I'm not doing great, you know, when I'm, so it's, it's, it's disrupted that narrative. Now, have I completely like come away from that? No, (laughs) I'm still going to generally give you upbeat and joyful and, um, and warm, you know, but when I'm not feeling warm, when I'm feeling anxious, when I'm feeling, um, just in the dumps and not really, and, 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 you know, maybe struggling to get out of that. Um, I've experienced some friendship, like people coming with me to the dump, like, okay, we're in the dump. Let's go. <laughs> I've got mm-hmm. you. Um, so yeah, so there's no need to, and I also think that I've, as I've gotten older, I've felt more comfortable being like, yeah, I'm not in a place to like do that today. So you know, I'm not in a place to go there, yeah. which I, 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 I think in the past I hid, you know, if I was feeling low or not feeling myself, then I would just retreat. And now I've grown to just say, actually, girl, I'm, I'm actually not in a place to unpack where I am today. Yeah. And like that be okay, yeah. you know, um, and not feel like that there, that there was shame or, or that someone couldn't handle what I was feeling. I love that. I love that the that last piece too of being able to just say today I don't want I don't I'm not ready to go to the dumps like because it's not it'd be a different thing if we're saying I'm never going there. Yeah, but it's just like it's recognizing your capacity and saying not today. Yeah, yeah. Today I need a little bit more joy and lightness, and I don't mm-hmm. have the capacity to go there. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Transitioning into the friendship piece, even though we've kind of been talking about it a little bit, I'm curious for you because I have a lot of thoughts about friendship. I know that you also have a lot of thoughts about friendship and sisterhood. And I just, I want to start by asking you what friendship means to you and what you think the purpose of friendship is. (laughs) You want me to go first? Yes, I do. I've been thinking about this. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, uh. I, you know, okay. So maybe this is actually, this is my coming out moment for my listeners because I have been, this is episode 17. And so for, for those of you who have been listening and have heard me explicitly claim or imply that I'm an Enneagram for Here's where I'd like to come out and tell you that I actually am an Enneagram 5. <laughs> and um, this is relevant <laughs> because, one, this is an Enneagram podcast, and I kind of sort of been lying to you for a whole ep- for a whole season, but it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> it wasn't on purpose. Um, Hollis is actually one of the people who's like, like, my friends are split on this. I have some friends who are like, no, I experienced you as a four. I have other friends who are like, nah, definitely five. Um, Hollis has been in the camp of, I can see the five, but this is important in this conversation because it has helped me really realize why I have such strong opinions about friendship because Mm. I grew up in a family that I think could best be described as a co-working space. Like it, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of emotional closeness. Mm. I love my family, but actually psychologically, 
there was a lot of emotional neglect. I had my like, mm-hmm. had food to eat. I had, you know, clothes to wear. I went to school, blah, blah, blah. But beyond that, there wasn't any actual like emotionally available adults that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And so the very first time that I felt known and seen and cared for as a person, not just like a kid who was supposed to do what, you know, the adults tell them, not just like at home, the most important thing was obedience. But mm. obedience says nothing about like you, you know? Yeah. Totally. So I was I was an obedient kid, but that that was it. But then in friendships, my friends from middle school to high school were the first place I felt like, oh, people know me. Like they mm. care to know me as a person outside of just go do this, go do the dishes. Have you done your homework? Go clean this. Mm -hmm. Um, And even my mother noticed that as a kid, she was like, you really have like, I feel like I'm seeing you as your, as a, you know, you've come into yourself in being friends Mm -hmm. with these people. And so I think of friends, friendship as just as important as family. Just as important. Just as important as family. Which means to me, I commit to friendships like I do to family, which is why, well, <laughs> not to my bio family because I don't really care about most of them, but um, <laughs> sorry if you're listening, uh, but uh, what but I not mean, sorry, but not sorry, <laughs> but I, I, my level of commitment, which is why I'm, I'm so picky because I know I don't have the energy or the capacity or the desire <laughs> to love like 15 people that deeply. I just, mm. I don't have the energy for it. But when I am in that sort of like, when I've chosen you, when I, you know, like when I see you mm-hmm. as my friend like that, it's like family to me. I'm committed to you. Um, and that has not been my experience of friendship. That was my experience of friendship before I moved to the US. And then I moved to the US and I lived in predominantly white spaces. And that is not how white people approach friendship. Let me tell you, it's not. And so my experience was very much like every time I showed up with the kind of friendship that I grew up with or the the friendship that the idea of friendship that's most important to me, um, people were always like shocked. Like I went above and beyond. Like, oh my God, I can't believe. And I'm like, wait, but... So you wouldn't do this for me. That's, that's what I'm hearing. Like, if you think what I'm doing, how I'm showing up, which to me is just like, this is what you, I, you would, I would drop what I'm doing to show up for you because you're having a hard time, but you're so shocked by it, which helps me realize this is not within your concept of what friends do for each other. Your concept is like your primary partner or your bio family are the people you do that for. And friends are accessories. You know, a little, you know, pair of earrings to add to the outfit, but you already got clothes on. And so, I don't know. I feel like I've been talking for for a while now, but that's that's like my, that's one of the ways. I, I mentioned the five thing because um, I, that was one of the things between four and five where I'd gotten feedback of like, oh, but you reach for connection more than, you know, we think of five would stereotypically reach for connection. And I think it's this, I'm a self-preservation person and I think of friendships like family and I think of family like survival. So it's actually about my survival. Like I know that I will be okay 
if I have my people. And so I'm, I, you know, that's, that's some of what I got to say. What you got to say? What is for (laughs) (laughs) That was beautiful. That was powerful. Um, I don't even know which piece to, which piece to pick at, but I think I'd start with friendship to me has been a lifeline. It is a lifeline. It, 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 you know, um, when you talk about being seen and known, it's going to be my friends. I have this joke. That's not really a joke. That's like, if anything happens to me, you know, and I pass in an untimely fashion or something like, these are the friends that are in charge, (laughs) you know, this is who should speak. Don't have, you know, Mm -hmm. because my, my friends are the people who, um, who truly know and see me. And I would say, I literally said to a friend today, are my greatest gifts are my lifeline are, you know, um, if everything in my life is going shitty, which in this moment it is, um, that's the one area that's generally going to give tens across the board. And, um, you know, going back to, I, I love your, your opening question for this of like, how do you identify? Because something that, um, something that friends of mine who are not from New York, identified or helped me identify as like, you don't do friendship like New Yorkers. I don't experience you as a New Yorker because of how you show up in your friendships. I was like, well, it took me forever to figure out like what that meant. But I also think like um, just growing up in church and that like, uh, you know, that becomes its own family and a way of doing friendship and relationship that, um, that informs how I go about my friendship. It's like, what I got, you got, what we have, you gonna have, what you have, I'm gonna have some of, you know? Um, and yeah, I, 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 I think particularly today, I'm just like, yeah, my friends are my lifeline. If I don't have friendships, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I got. And I love my family and, you know, they're wonderful. And, um, I'm happy that we chose each other whenever we got to do that, you know, in, in time. But, um, but I know why I've selected the friends that I have and they just, um, I, you know, I, I, I love the analogy that you used about like accessories, but already having the clothing outfit. And I'm trying to figure out like how I like what, what the analogy is that I would use and it's not coming readily, but, um, but lifeline just keeps coming up, you know, that you have, if you think about all the things that you need to make air, you know, like friendship is part of that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't a stellar science student, so I'm not going to try, but I feel like there's some carbon. <laughs> I really got stuck right there on all the things you need to make air I was like, tell me more. I felt that coming, but I feel like, you know, like there was some carbon and maybe (laughs) something else, Mm -hmm. hydrogen, something, but whatever those elements are for me, friendship is one of those elements. Yeah. Yeah. Time and time again. And that's been consistent my whole life. I feel like I've had 
girlfriends my whole life. And the moments I didn't, I really remember. But I've always been someone who like had at least a ride or die girlfriend, at least one. Yeah. Do you want to experience the life-changing power of the Enneagram for personal growth and better relationships? If so, I hope you'll check out the Narrative Enneagram, an educational nonprofit dedicated to transforming lives and creating a more compassionate world since 1988. As a member of the associate faculty, I can personally speak to the transformative power of these programs. You can access free resources, take the Essential Enneagram test, and learn about upcoming programs that bring the Enneagram to life at narrativeenneagram.org. We'd love to see you there. What's the what's the selection criteria? <laughs> oh, because you're um, like because you're like you know I know I know why I pick these people. I think because like we share an essence. There's just an mm-hmm. essence, you know. There's um, I tend to be drawn to people who love life, who you can see enjoy and are experiencing life despite what's going on. Laughter is super important, so we have to kind of be able to laugh at the same things. Um, I love people that I feel like I can learn from and know some stuff that I don't. Um, and that I, I can be a hundred percent with, you know, that I can authentically be, um, and, and I think too, like even more so than me being because I'm gonna be me but I'm clear that you're gonna be you mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. you're gonna be you no matter what the situation is I can trust that it's gonna give the same chi-chi no matter where we are right and um and I think you know everybody that I love deeply is trying to figure out how to be their best in some way you know and like committed to doing their best and discovering what best even looks like um yeah that's that that's what makes that's what makes me like yes you come let me let me be with you because <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm i'm someone who really is like oh i like you yes and i'm gonna like follow up and like you know and it may take i i can think of very specific friendships where i remember pursuing that person like you know um there's something about you. I just find you intriguing or interesting. I think even with you and I, I was like, I knew that I was moving to Ghana and we had kept like missing the connection, but I was like, we're going to connect. It's going to happen. And then finally it did. Um, and I was like, Oh, I love that. That worked out. Love this for me. Mm -hmm. Like, and I had no idea what it was going to look like past our first hang I was about to say past our first date but it did kind of feel like it was a date I mean it was kind of like a date yeah yeah, yeah. it was kind of a date I had you on my Um, roof yeah it was yes cute yes there was there was alcohol there was like a charcuterie board yeah there it was a moment um so yeah I I those are those are like the things for me that are like oh yeah yeah you know I like that criteria um I think that well, people that you can learn from, that's so, that's so sexy to me across the board. Like, I mean this with my, my non-sexual relationships with my friends, as well as with like romantic interests. Like if I can learn something from you, 
if if I have a conversation with you and I think differently now about something, mm-hmm. I see the world or something differently, I have more questions that I'm curious about. Oh, you're like, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that so much. Um, how does the culture that you grew up in and the context that you grew up in, whether it's a combo of New York and being a Black woman or, you know, separate, but how did that mm-hmm. impact your understanding of friendship as a lifeline and friendship as like this really important thing? Well, I think it was modeled uh, with my parents because first, you know, my parents, neither of them are native to New York. And so we don't have any family here. And so growing up, it was my mom's girlfriends who were the people who, when she had to go out of town, would pick us up from school um, or keep us when, you know, she had those overnight, um, work trips and things because my dad worked at night. So I learned very quickly, like, you know, your extended family, those are going to be your girlfriends and your neighbors. And so I think for me, that was always like, okay, like, like, you know, holidays, I think of my younger sister is born um, around Christmas. And so I remember this birthday where it was like, we had a cake and we were celebrating her, but like only me, her and my mom were family. Like everyone else was folks who just loved us and were friends of my mom or caretakers for us in some way. Um, So looking back, I'm like, wow, like my mom was really out here in the paint, just like rolling with her daughters and girlfriends. Like, okay, are you going to be able to watch this week? You know? So that's the first thing I think, um, New York is just a hard city to raise children in. And I know raising children is hard anyway, but then so like the beast that's New York on top of it. And I'm always like, how did you do that? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, even even with my dad. And then um, and then I think, you know, so many times as a black woman, you just ex- move through the world feeling other, feeling like you can't relate to most of the times what you're seeing around you, the images that you're seeing, what you're listening to, possibly what you're watching on television, um, what you're consuming, there's such a disconnect and distance. And so friendship is where that like, um, is where the first place you really see yourself. Cause you're like, Oh girl, you're taking down your radio. Me too, girl. Like, you know, like we're going through this thing together. We may not see it out there, but certainly across the screen, I'm thinking of FaceTime because I'm a big FaceTimer. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, when we're sitting down for brunch, we're, we're tracking experiences and it's like, yep, I probably went through that too. And, you know, I was at, um, I'm a part of a book club and I was with the women and all of them work in very different industries. Many of them are doctors and uh, everybody's a professional. And the book that we were reading was about, this girl who works in this really, really white media space publishing company. Anyway, um, we were all connecting around like why we didn't fool with the character and like the things that we agreed upon. And we, we don't know one another. Well, we have very different, different jobs, like very different come from all around the country, but we were all able to lock in on like, yep, this didn't make sense. And then we kind of moved from the, um, the book to our, like, I think it was around father's day. So talking about daddies and it was like, Oh, we all got the same daddy, you know? 
<laughs> there are only three or four versions of daddies out here. You know what I mean? So I hate that for us, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm gonna leave that there. Yeah, but yeah. another time. Another that's another episode. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think um growing up a you know where where we didn't have family, so it made friendships that much more important. And then just seeing yourself reflected um in other women for me at least was like, oh yeah, this is what I gotta have. Yeah. There's like also the cultural piece I'm thinking about that I think spans across not just like US culture, because I grew up with that. There's so many people I call my aunts and my cousins who are not, right? And that's very much the case here as well, where it's like <laughs> people are family, but are not at all biologically related to you. At all. Like, no. Like, yeah. no, you, you just met this person like five years ago, but now they're fam. But that same, I think that culture of we belong to each other mm-hmm. and like there doesn't need to be this... Uh, we don't need to be biologically connected in order to make a decision to be committed to each other and to like be a part of each other's lives, I think is at least one of my theories for why friendship looks so different mm. in these particular communities and cultures, because it's, uh, it's modeled, like you said, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it's just like, that's, that's what we do. That's, that's not just like my, fr- and, and for someone like me who, does tend to be very picky and private. I have like, <laughs> <laughs> I have, you know, like a I'm going to get a shirt made for you. You, hate, just this. you hate this so much. Every time I talk about being private, Hollis this is like, pick, I cannot stand picky, you. Picky and private. I love it. <laughs> picky and private. Um, but there's like, you know, there's, and not everybody is in the inner circle. No, 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 no. So there's acquaintances. There are people I really enjoy, really, really enjoy. But like, you still three circles out. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> totally. And so totally. it's it's not the same level of commitment, but there's just this ingrained like this sense of like togetherness, and um, that's not even the word I'm looking for. But generally just the idea of seeing ourselves as interconnected and a part of a whole where, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're celebrating, it doesn't feel like Hollis is over there celebrating a thing. It's like, I can feel that as like, I'm celebrating with you, you know, like. Oh, for sure. um, Not just like, oh, that's so great for you, girl. But, you know, like it feels we won you won we won yeah Yeah. and that's I'm I'm emphasizing that just because that was not my experience for like 14 of the 17 years I lived here because I was in predominantly white spaces where it was very there's me and then there's you and then we meet somewhere in the middle um sometimes (laughs) when it's easy and convenient but you know that's it and and that's one of the pieces for me honestly is about um when somebody is willing to do something to show up for me, whether it's with celebration or when things are hard, but when someone's willing to show up for me in a way that inconveniences them, it like melts me to my core. Because mm. as a kid, my mother is a single mother. She was carrying the weight of the world on her shoulders. She was responsible for like our entire community in more ways than one. 
And I grew up with this knowing that I, I couldn't be a burden. I couldn't add anything else mm-hmm. to her already full plate. I couldn't mm-hmm. inconvenience her. I minimize what I need because there's just not, not enough. So you just figure out how to need less, right? And so it's still <laughs> it's still hard for me till this day to like, I mean, I know it's hard for a lot of us to ask for help, but that's one of the the underlying stories for me and asking for help is like I I there wasn't enough for me to need and even mm-hmm. to allow myself to need when I was a kid. Um mm. And so, so today when somebody inconveniences that goes out of their way to do something for me that I know inconveniences them in some way, and yet they still are like, you are important enough for me to go out of my way to do this. It levels me. And I've come to realize that that's such a big part of how I understand love and commitment is because that's, that's how I will choose to show up for you. Like mm-hmm. I inconvenience myself. But mm-hmm. what I felt like I experienced in those like first 14 years here was convenient love. I'll show up when it works mm. for me. But if it doesn't work for me, sorry, figure it out yourself. Um, mm. Where it's that sense, but the the opposite of that being the, no, I'm willing to, I'm willing to be inconvenienced um, to show up for you. And you're willing mm. to do that for me. And in doing so, and also kind of this idea of, I don't know, in my utopia that I imagine, we, we all are in this agreement together that we, let's say you have a problem. You have like, you are running at 70% capacity, right? And then you have this new problem. And 40. Mass- <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. 70 was optimistic. 40. <laughs> and you have this new problem that would, that's a hundred. And you mm-hmm. don't, you only have the capacity for 60. Mm-hmm. In our commitment together, I look at that and say, you bring that to the group. And I look at that and I say, well, I have 20. So I'll take 20 off your plate. There's no mm-hmm. obligation for me to take 100 or to take the full 40 because I know there's somebody else in the circle that's mm-hmm. got 10 and they're going to take 10. Mm-hmm. The other person has 10 and they're going to take 10, which means you don't have to hold it all by yourself. But there isn't this expectation that just one other person has to figure out how to hold it with you. Like we are committed to mm-hmm. being honest about our capacity yeah, so that we can share the load. We can carry the burden together. And there's this idea of like being willing to be burdened, but not in the negative connotation of the word. Like I'm willing to carry the weight. Mm-hmm. With you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like this, this beautiful, to me, it's a beautiful picture of like, I think the world would be so much better. I think we would be, we would actually be able to not just survive, we would thrive. Yeah. It's not, you know, there's that like meme that's been going around um, for months of like, we're also exhausted because we keep trying to do what is supposed to be the work of the community by ourselves. Yeah. And so I think of that too, with friendship of just like that, that willingness to bear the weight together, but and to bear the joy together, but to be mm-hmm, able to mm-hmm. say like, all right, you're at 40. I got capacity for 20. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so how many good. friends do you think it needs? Sorry, I know I'm not. <laughs> I know you're the interviewer. No, no, you can ask questions too. How many friends to make? But everybody. Do you mean like okay. person? Do you mean personally? Because this is just a utopia I'm imagining that if we were all 
committed to this sort of way of showing up in relationship Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. but like am I like I mean it needs more than one (laughs) no totally but I'm thinking like even within your like even within that inner circle that's holding all those Mm -hmm. pieces what do you feel like is true for like okay your committee your board your like (laughs) a friends I like a small group like three to five feels good yeah 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 okay yeah Mm -hmm. that that feels that feels appropriate I was just curious for you about that if it looked different okay because then it like shifts for each person and everyone's capacity fluctuates right yes yes (laughs) Yes. as you know (laughs) running at 40 yes I do yeah yeah my final question for you, what's it like for you to experience intimacy inside of your friendships? And is it distinctly different from intimacy you experience in other parts of your life? No, it's just, you know, it's, it's a very present topic. Um, I... In some ways, I'm 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 negotiating my thoughts about what that looks like in romantic, uh, my romantic relationships. But I think the first thing that comes to mind is truly the ability to like fall apart. Mm. Um, and I think that that's the case for me because even though I shared that, you know, I love friendship with people that enjoy life and can like, you know, I can learn from, there are very few people I think that you can just yeah. crack, break down, not have your shit together, not know, begin to know where the pieces are. Yeah. Um, and it not just be about them building you back up, but just, I think that particularly as black women, we should be allowed to fall apart, Amen. you know, because we, we ultimately are going to come back together like this, mm-hmm. you know, but there's a safety and intimacy that I think that, that, that happens only in friendship, that only in friendship can it be like, Ooh, this situation is, you know, um, and I don't have a clue how I'm, how I'm going to get out of it or, how I'm going to face it or um, yeah, the there's intimacy and being able to be like, no, I really don't know. You know, you know, when you're like kicking it and you're in a conversation and it's like, girl, what you going to do next? Girl, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and really, I don't know. And I'm sitting in that unknown. That is, that's intimacy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like, Ooh, you see me not knowing um, I think because really young, I somehow got a story of like, it is not cool to not know. So know something, even in my work, I find I get so irritated when people are like, well, I don't know. It's like, well, what would you do if you knew? Pretend. Pretend to know. But you know, or like, you know, have an opinion, have a thought, but don't start, don't start with me with what you don't know. Right. And so um, you're like, Ooh, you're a yikes manager. I am. Um, <laughs> I really was just thinking about the whole like 
swath of people you would not do well with in like a partnership. I know, oh. of, I, know a lot of I don't know people. <laughs> so. Oh, I can't take and I don't know. Oh, mm-hmm. I can't take. I don't know. It, it drives me nuts. But, you know, I probably got in trouble really young for I don't know. Yeah. you know, or felt ashamed or something. So I haven't, un- I haven't fully unpacked that, but um, certainly the ability to fall apart and just be like, yep, it's messy. I'm messy. It's a mess. And to be like, and I don't know those two things to me ring true. Um, and, you know, girl, honestly, what it looks like romantically, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Still unpacking that one. I'm still unpacking. We'll come that back one. in a couple years. Listen, because you you get into the gender piece and it'd be like, yeah. that's where it really gets crazy with it. Because you know, as someone who dates men, I'm like, well, you know, I unpacked with them. So you know. I remember you saying one time. But we could cut this out if you don't want me to to keep it. Sure, in sure. There, so sure. But I remember you saying, um, like my homegirls are everything to me. Yeah. A man is just a nigga. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like me. That sounds like- you know, I still feel like like my my friends; those are my soulmates. Yeah, you know? that's what it was. Yeah, you were like, they're my yeah. Soulmates. I'm like my 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 friends are my soulmates. My partner is my partner. He ain't gotta be my soulmate. I already met my soulmates. I'm like, I don't, I can't see anybody topping that. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's a. But I'm, you know, the the reason I said I'm negotiating it because I'm like maybe that's a limiting belief, and I also don't know. There's anything wrong with that? I, oh, yeah. It's not a right or wrong, you know. No. It just for me is an is. Like, no, well, my girlfriends are my soulmates, and my nigga's my nigga. You are gonna make me a shirt that says "picky and private." I'm making a shirt that I, says, "Wait, it's two P's. It's, it's picky private. and private. Picky and private. Yeah, picky and private. I'm and I'm gonna make you one that says "no new soulmates." Uh, <laughs> no." take a new soulmate i absolutely i'm down for a new soulmate i can i'm like down to add to the roster Mm -hmm. i'm just saying like it's just i know what's required to be on the roster and i'm not going to pretend yeah about what somebody's got to be on the roster yeah all right well thank you so much for being here thank you for being my friend uh thank you for being my friend chi chi (laughs) and um it is a joy to be a friend to close us out is there you know, anything that you're up to that you want our listeners to know about um, where they can find you on the internet <laughs> if um, you want to be found? Yeah, I, I'm, you know, if you're supposed to find me, you will. <laughs> it sounds, you know, you like, if you're supposed to find me, you will find me. That's where, that's the space I'm in. All right. right. Oh. <laughs> so, no new soulmates. Thanks again, Hollis, for being here. <laughs> I love you, friend. I love you. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share, subscribe, and write a review. 
Every subscription and review helps boost the ratings of the show and helps more people find us, which allows me to keep making it. And if you would like to listen to the full uncut episodes or watch the conversations in video format, you can access all of that by joining our Patreon. For $5 a month, you also get bonus episodes, access to Q&A, and a growing community with other listeners like you. You can sign up at patreon.com slash from armor to ease podcast. That link is also available in the show notes. Until next time, be good to yourselves, y'all. Peace.